This was brought to you by The Storyteller on YouTube and Facebook. Of course, it didn't matter that they wore different tograms from what I was used to. It's just that they were so different it made them into a sort of uniform, so you could have recognized them on any street in any town, down any lane, as Romani people. I was glad about that because these were my people, my relatives, and they were proud to be different, and that made me proud too. All the women wore dresses similar to the girl petal, long ones which almost trailed the floor. They were usually red but sometimes blue and always patterned with contrasting flowers. Their blouses were of linen, commonly white and bleached in the sun, but sometimes mid-blue, rarely anything else, and on top a sort of wraparound waistcoat of rough material, I think hessian. All were barefooted. The men's wear was very different from Uncle Vanter's. All wore long white linen shirts which overhung their trousers by many centimeters, and the trousers themselves, though they varied a little in color with shabby blue, patched brown and scuffed red being the favorites, were fastened over the shirts as well with broad leather belts. Over all these they sported either scruffy wool jackets, or occasionally wool coats. Some were barefooted but more wore ancient boots, I suppose to protect their feet, because of all the time they spent gleaning in the forest or working with hot metal and hammers. Their hats were usually uniform, similar to a fedora in style, and almost always grey or occasionally brown. Several of the men had bags over their shoulders on diagonal straps, tool bags, I learned later. The white shirts of both the men and the women often had colorful embroidery sewn on, in the form of patterns or flowers, usually red. Children's wear was more varied in colors, the girls all wearing long red, orange, blue or green dresses from shoulder to ankle with thick wool shawls over their heads and round their backs, all of different colors from their dresses. Boys invariably had smaller versions of the menswear. Another thing all had in common was long black curly hair which hung down over their ears and shoulders, now all the camp came out to greet us, with excited cries and people running to Granny V, and all wanting to hug her at once. The exception was a tall and hefty man, dressed as the other men except his belt was broader and sported a silver buckle whilst instead of a fedora he wore a Cossack hat. Good afternoon, boy, he said. I am Shero Rom. If it was meant to impress me, it did, because I knew that all gypsies in Eastern Europe had two very important figures in their communities, one being the Shero Rom, which just means chief gypsy. You might think his was an inherited job through family, but that's not so. The Shero Rom is elected by all the people in the extended family. They sit down round the fire and decide who they want, and they take a vote on it. Though Yuzuzu ally it doesn't need any vote. What they look for is the luckiest and cleverest gypsy man, and ideally, but not necessarily, the strong one. His job is to make all the important decisions on behalf of the family, and say when or where we are going, how we will prepare for the winter, when marriages will take place, whether to spend money on new tools or homes. He also has to negotiate with outsiders, especially when they threaten danger. I gave a small bow as one should to a respected person, something I had thus already learned from Petal and Lazzy. So, you are Granny's red dog, 
A. He patted me on the head. His Romany was more guttural than mine, but he spoke slowly, realizing I would find it difficult. Uncle, I replied respectfully, with another bow. Come, he said. Sit with me at the fire. The poor EDY has told me about you. She says you have a task to perform for us all. I must have looked puzzled. Later, later, he said. We squatted cross-legged at the fire, in the traditional Romani way, and moments later food and drink was brought to us the bowl of traditional stew from a massive iron pot on the fire with brown bread to dip followed by a huge slice of wild raspberry pie with goat's cream. In fact, almost everyone came and sat round the huge fire, perhaps 70 people including the children, Vanta and Granny sitting near me, and we all tucked in with gusto. People shouted questions to me but unless they spoke slowly, which they hardly ever did, I found it difficult to understand and Granny had to translate for me. We sat there long into the evening, conversation dying off, until the sound of insects and birds disappeared, and the only sound was the crackling of the fire interspersed with snatches of song. Then Shero Rom pointed to a small rough tent which stood near the best of the caravans. You can sleep in there tonight, he said, and we can talk more in the morning. It was a well-appointed ridge tent, and though small had several blankets, and a pile of dried grass, and plants as a mattress, and I was soon blanket-wrapped, and snuggled into the forest plant mattress, and fast asleep. This was brought to you by The Storyteller on YouTube and Facebook. Listen to our podcast on any of these platforms. Anchor. Breaker. Overcast. Pocket Casts. Radio Public. Spotify. Support us on Patreon. And check us out on Discord. All the links can be found in the video description below. We thank you for your participation. If you enjoyed please like, subscribe, share, make comments. We love feedback.